0: Time for the Mix Picks podcast on Rad TV at members.radradio.com. I'm joined, as always, by Steve Mickelson from mixpicks.com. Uh, 2Ks in Mix, 2Ks in Picks. Good morning, Steve.
1: Good morning.
0: Uh, by the way, quick programming note, as we say in the industry, uh, with the holidays coming up, we will still be here every Wednesday morning except for Wednesday, December 20th. That's the, the one that we're taking off. We'll be here the 27th. We'll be here the 3rd uh, for uh, college football, bowl games, NFL playoffs, and more. Speaking of college football bowl games. Even though it's been a couple days, you still got to go back and unpack the uh, NCAA college football playoff selections. We did it a little bit on Monday, but now we can dive a little bit deeper, Steve. The four teams to play for the national title will be, not included, the undefeated ACC champion Florida State Seminoles if they have become the first unbeaten Power 5 conference winner to ever miss out on the college football playoff. Coach Mike Norvell said, quote, I am disgusted and infuriated with the committee's decision to have what was earned on the field taken away because a small group of people decided they knew better than the results of the games. What is the point of playing the games? Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama are the top four teams to make it into the playoffs. The Seminoles were judged by an untimely run of injuries at the quarterback position, and the CFP selection committee chairman, Boo Corrigan, was honest about it. He said, quote, Florida State is a different team than it was the first 11 weeks. As you look at who they are as a team right now without Jordan Travis, they are a different team, and the committee voted Alabama four and Florida State five. Travis, the ACC Player of the Year, suffered a season-ending broken leg in mid-November. And I, 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 I still don't believe that that's why they did this. I, that's an interesting explanation. We don't think Florida State is the fourth-best team In the country. I still think this is more about we want Alabama and we want Texas because they're such big schools with such big followings. But regardless of all of that, you don't, you are, you seem pretty upset that they are saying exactly what they're saying. The games don't matter and we can predict whether or not the game would matter if Florida State's playing.
1: Yeah, that's basically what they're saying. Uh, And I think the part that I struggle with the most here is this is them admitting this is all about big business. It's really not about. You know, winning your conference, going undefeated, being a power five school. It's about TV ratings and the games that they want. And, and, you know, in Florida State's defense. Okay, so Drew Bledsoe went down years ago for the Patriots and they were a good football team. Well, at the time, Bledsoe's down. Okay, let's write off the Patriots. But (laughs) a guy named Tom Brady stepped in and took him to the Super Bowl. And you take the Rams years ago. And Trent Green went down, okay, the Rams, they're not going to be the great team we thought they were going to be, so let's kick them out. But then we watch Kurt Warner step up and lead the Rams to the Super Bowl. So who's the committee to determine if the backup quarterback can play or not? We watched them play with a third-string quarterback, beat the number 14 team in the nation in Louisville, and when that game and oh by the way Florida State went 2 and 0 against the SEC they beat LSU they beat Florida without their starting quarterback so again are you saying that they can't compete in the SEC because as far as i know they beat it i the ACC went 6 and 4 against the SEC so if you're trying to knock the conference then how are you saying that when the ACC went six and four? And my bottom line part is you're using this, they're not as good. We want the four best teams. Why is Washington in it then? Washington was a 10 point underdog to Oregon in the Pac 12 championship game. You don't believe that Washington is going to be a favorite over Georgia? Not a chance. Georgia would be favored over Washington, Ohio State would be favored over Washington, so if you're using the argument of we wanted the four best teams, Washington shouldn't be in there either, even though they won undefeated, won the Pac-12, so their whole argument to me falls apart other than it's big business and we want the TV ratings and that's what we're looking for.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, the, the whole overcoming adversity argument, uh, the FSU defense has been stellar since Travis got hurt. Over the past two games, the Florida State defense has a combined 13 sacks and it's held its past two opponents to zero or negative yards in the fourth quarter. Not as dramatic as your example, Steve, but I thought about all of this and thought of you watching um, uh, the Bengals game. We all re- have written off the Cincinnati Bengals, and yet here they are with a no-name cornerback staying in the hunt. And, and and you're watching that game going, see, this is what Steve is saying Florida State should be allowed to do. So Now, I, you touched on this, so it might sound like I wasn't listening, but I was. And the only reason I want to go back to it is I heard the argument made a couple times on, on ESPN – that they did ding the conference. They said, look, the competition in the ACC is not the same as the competition in the, in the SEC. And so SEC one-loss teams are like being undefeated in the ACC. Sounds like you, you dismissed that entirely.
1: ACC went 6-4 and four against the SEC. So how can you say, you know, based on head-to-head matchups, and again, schedules are made out in advance, you can't go and change them and say, okay, we want to see Georgia play, you know, Florida State, their schedules are made but isn't that why we want to see georgia play florida state or alabama play florida state in the college playoffs now keep in mind i do not believe this happens if they aren't going to the 12 team format next year i think they had the out we're going to 12 this just shows why we need to do this if it was a four team playoff next year I absolutely believe Florida State would be in there because they have the out. This is why we're going to 12, so we don't have these issues going forward.
0: Uh, to your point about why is Washington in there and argued another way, Greg wrote and anybody can email us before, during, after the show, RAD at radradio.com. He says, if they want the best product on the field, why isn't Georgia in the playoffs? They were the number one team all year, which begs the question, you kind of already made that point, Steve. If you, Steve Mickelson, were picking the four best teams, Based on merit, however you're going to do it, it doesn't matter. You can do it either the four best teams with the merit of their seasons. Who would your four teams be this year?
1: Michigan. Easy. Georgia. Ohio State. <laughs> and I would take Texas ahead of Alabama for my four best. Because I still roll back to... Alabama had to complete a fourth and 31, basically in the last play of the game to beat Auburn. Does that not have an issue? Auburn is not that good. You're going to tell me Auburn, who is not ranked in the top eight, is, you know, one of the top teams. Georgia goes from one to out. Alabama jumps from number eight into the playoffs. If Georgia's playing Alabama again today on a neutral field, They were a five, five and a half point favorite in that game over Alabama. Yes, they lost by three, but if they played a game again today, Georgia would be favored over the two. So – To me, Alabama's the team I would end up kicking out because Texas beat Alabama in Alabama.
0: Perfect. To that point, uh, ESPN did one of their long-form stories yesterday on ESPN.com where they claim to have, and I'm sure it's true, inside sources that were in the committee meeting. And I tried to break it down to try to give us an idea of how they're saying this whole thing happened. 2 a.m. Central Time on Sunday is when the conference championship games uh, when the conference championship committees and the 13 members of the college football selection finally left their meeting room. So they they were in there after the games until 2 a.m. trying to figure out who are our four teams. They'd been sequestered for hours as they determined the top four teams in the country. And they claimed they had a sinking feeling about excluding an undefeated Power Five conference champion, Florida State, which was tempered by the, le- the belief they did what they were tasked to do vote for the four best teams. So they are sticking to that storyline. One committee member told ESPN, quote, all of us had the emotional tie of, holy crap, this is really going to suck to do this. We talked about that over and over, and we kept coming back to, are they, Florida State, good enough with what they have to win a national championship? And it just kept coming back to, we didn't think they could. And it doesn't sound like you think that Florida State could win the national championship either.
1: Oh, I don't either. I think they deserve their – I don't think Washington can win. And if you're going to use the same criteria, why is Washington in there? Yes, they beat Oregon twice this year. They've had a great season. I believe they should be in there based on what they did for the season. But if you're talking top teams, best four teams in the nation, one, why are we playing the games? Because then it really doesn't matter. It's all based on who we feel are the best four teams. And you're never going to convince me that Washington – Head-to-head is going to be a favorite over Ohio State. You're never going to convince me that Washington is going to be a favorite over Georgia if they played head-to-head next week on a neutral field. It's not going to happen. And if that's the case, their whole argument falls apart. Because at the end of the day, if you really want to know who the public feels is better Look at the point spread, because if we hang as a bookmaker a bad line and everybody takes the other side, that point spread will move to that team being the favorite. That wouldn't happen, and that's why their argument to me makes no sense because Washington's in there, and they are not one of the four best teams in the nation.
0: On your Alabama-Texas point, later on in the same story, a different source says there wasn't any serious consideration to include Alabama without Texas because there was so much respect in the room for the Longhorns' Week 2 win in Tuscaloosa, and there wasn't enough support in the room to deem Georgia unequivocally one of the four best teams in the country. So they said, well, if Texas is in, Alabama has to get in, or vice versa, rather. If Alabama's getting in, which they are, Texas has to get in. So they took your argument and they kind of twisted it to fit their narrative of how they were going to get both Alabama and Texas in there.
1: Correct. And you look at it, Georgia doesn't have the following of an Alabama or a Texas. I think some people might be a little tired of Georgia always playing for the national championship. You know, even when they were undefeated, they weren't the number one seed until late in the season. They were early on, but then they kind of fell off. But to tell me, Georgia is not one of the four best teams in college football is wrong. I, I think Georgia's better than Alabama, but they don't have the following.
0: And Boo uh, Corrigan, the chair of the committee, it's like he's talking to me when he, he this quote he says, people may not believe it. I don't. Uh, but we don't say, oh gosh, if we vote this way, the SEC is going to be left out. That never came up ever. I just have such a hard time believing that, Steve.
1: Not a chance. SEC has dominated college football for so long. To leave the conference out altogether to me wouldn't be right. I think the SEC conference well, I think one team from that should be in. I was going to say the SEC championship game winner, but I don't believe that Alabama is better than Georgia. I think if we hung the game right now, again today, even after watching it last week, I think Georgia would be favored in that game.
0: Uh, we got this email, radradradio.com, from Nick says, Steve, I agree 100% with your position on FSU. However, there is a UFC axiom that goes like this, knock your opponent out, make them submit, never leave it in the hands of the judges. FSU left their fate in the hands of the judges by struggling all year to squeak past inferior opponents, even with their healthy star quarterback. If they stopped all of these scrub teams into oblivion and made them look like they didn't belong on the field with them, they wouldn't be in the position they are. What about quality of win, margin of victory, things like that to consider?
1: I understand that, but not every team's going to have their A game every single week. I don't think anybody went out and played flawless football the entire season. 49ers, to me, are the best team in the NFL. We watched them lose three straight games. The goal is to win your game, play enough good competition – and your opponents, and that strength of schedule does play a factor. You need to play some opponents, and that's what I used to say. Not only do you have your conference games, but you have to play quality opponents you know, in your non-conference. Florida State took on LSU. Florida State took on Florida. I mean, LSU, at the beginning of the year, they played them, I think, week one or week two. Actually, I think it was week one. LSU at the time was like a top 10 ranked team. They were a team that was seriously considered playing for the national championship and Florida state beat them handily in that game. So, you know, the end of the day, you need to go out and win And and without their quarterback hats off to the Florida state defense. As you said, their defense stepped up, said, Hey, look, we know our offense isn't going to win this game. We have to get the job done. Their defense did. And I just feel sorry for Florida State. You know, the players on that team, they were perfect. They went 13-0, and won their conference championship and their conference, and to just be let out. And again, I go back to if it wasn't expanded playoffs next year, we we wouldn't be having these discussions.
0: And you've made it clear that uh, you're where you think Alabama uh, should be. Uh, and uh, I suppose then that the only thing you might be surprised about is that the margin isn't bigger on Sunday. I don't know where it is now. Uh, the uh, Michigan Wolverines opened as a two-point favorite over Alabama for the uh, CFP semifinal on New Year's Day at the Rose Bowl. I'm betting you think that should be bigger.
1: Uh, I think it's going to be a competitive game. They they opened a two-point favorite. It's actually down to one and a half right now. Wow. Um, but I think a lot of people are caught in on the Alabama. Oh, they just beat Georgia, you know. They've been winning every week for their last eleven games. I think it is they're riding. I think an eleven game winning streak, and, and they're just, you know, Alabama's really loved. And and I do think there's a certain part of the public out there that's looking at oh, Harbaugh cheated. Michigan shouldn't be there. And I think there's a little hatred towards Michigan off of that end as well.
0: Um, do you, do you? You're a Michigan guy. Um, are you confident in, in, in Michigan being a close game, but Michigan's going to take Alabama down?
1: I believe if they're going to be the national championships, they need to win this game. Obviously, if they don't win, you know, I'm stating the obvious here, they don't advance, but I, I think Michigan, and I've been saying this all year, I think Michigan's the best team in college football. They have arguably the best offensive line in the, in college football, They have a lot of offensive weapons. They can run the ball when they need to. J.J. McCarthy can throw it. He's a, you know, he may not go in the first round, but he is a draftable quarterback, you know, possibly in the second round. They have a lot of talent on that team, and this is the best Michigan team that Harbaugh has had. So I expect big things from them.
0: And uh, Texas opened at four over uh, Washington State. Do you think that's going to be a competitive one as well? It's four, four and a half. I like Texas in this game. I I don't really
1: think it's going to be that competitive. Uh, You know, it's all Michael Penix Jr. He's had a great season. His stock has really risen going, you know, through the season because Washington's put up huge numbers. But Washington doesn't get the respect because, again, it's about their offense and they can score quickly. I just don't think they are a well-rounded team. I, I don't believe they're one of the four best either. Y- you know, and I keep going back to Ohio State. I think Ohio State would be favored over Alabama if they were playing Alabama in the college playoffs too. And and Ohio State took care of business all season long except for their loss in Michigan on the road. Other than that, Ohio State didn't have any, oh, we got to throw a Hail Mary on fourth and 31s to get in they didn't have any of those ugly losses. Or like Texas getting blown out by Oklahoma, you know, in the Red River Classic in a neutral field. Ohio State didn't have any of that. They won all their games. They really weren't in trouble of losing any except the Michigan game. And again, no one even considered Ohio State in the college playoffs. They were the first one of the seven out.
0: You've been saying for weeks that you you like Michigan and you just reaffirmed it to win the national championship. Could I take all of your logic and twist it back on you and make that that sports fan argument to you? Okay, fine. Michigan beats Texas. They're the national champions. But they didn't really beat the best teams in college football to win, so eh, you shouldn't be that proud of the, of the, the championship.
1: Yeah, that rolls back to back when I was a kid in Illinois. (laughs) I I remember the Pirates in 79 won the World Series, and the Cubs at one point during that season swept the Pirates in a series. What was that? See, the Cubs swept the Pirates, so they should be the world champions. (laughs) But you know what? You got to get it done for the whole season. You got to beat all of your opponents. And uh, just because you may have one flat game, you know, that does come back and bite you. So if they win it all, Michigan is the national champion. The
0: legitimate national champions, absolutely. Now, I, I've always said, I cede I you on college football. Uh, you you are a much bigger fan of it, and and boy, do we need you because we got a few emails, including this one from Matt uh, that came in this morning because this is being discussed a lot. It says, with hearing that numerous college athletes are hitting the quote-unquote transfer portal, Can you please explain the process? If a quarterback enters the portal, do other colleges put in a claim for them and then the athlete picks what school they want to go to, et cetera, et cetera. So, Steve, can you give us like a 30,000 view? This is a new thing. Uh, What are we in the second or third year of the the transfer portal? What exactly is it? How does it work?
1: They go into the transfer portal, and basically it's like coming out of high school. You're now free to go and meet with the different universities and the college football programs and figure out what – school you want to play for they go into their recruiting process of hey let's bring you here but end of the day it's really about the money hey we're able to offer you a million dollars if you come play at notre dame oh well we're at ohio state we can give you a Oh, but we're at alabama we can give you two million and at the end of the day i think really what you're seeing from these good players coming out of the transfer portal they want to see what their worth is they want to see how much money they can make on these NIL deals and that's what they're doing they're meeting with the universities in order to find out how much they can make for this upcoming season and that's where they're ultimately going to go
0: so so you're already you already have a school you're 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 the quarterback for Ohio State to use a topical example and you can just is there any eligibility do you have or can you just say i'm going into the transfer portal
1: You can just say I'm going into the transfer portal. We watched Sam Hartman. I mean, he set all these records at Wake Forest, but we know Wake Forest is never going to go anywhere. Well, he did what he could do at Wake Forest, so I'm going to go into the transfer portal. Oh, look at that. Notre Dame is going to give me $2 million to go play quarterback for Notre Dame this year, and they have a chance to play, you know, and get into the college playoff championship. So I play on a good team. I'm making $2 million. Why am I staying at Wake Forest? And this is the part that... Worries me is long term, these schools that are on the smaller end, the Wake Forests, the Vanderbilts, the Nevada, Reno's, they're not going to be able to compete. They can't have the money. So, what happens to these football programs when everything is about paying the best players to go play in the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, and what happens to those bottom feeders? Okay, you're Northwestern. You can't compete. You can't pay the money that Ohio State and Michigan can. So are you really going to stay in the conference? And how much fun is it if you know that you never have a chance of even competing? So I think there's a lot that's – you know, college football is going to continue to change over the next several years.
0: Now, for people like, that are tertiary or maybe they're, they're getting into college football, when you keep saying these schools are going to pay their athletes, and you alluded to NIL – the, the, which stands for name, image, and likeness. What, what exactly? They're not. It's not traditional like you get paid in the NFL. How how is it that these schools are now openly saying we're going to give you two million bucks?
1: Now, basically, the the boosters come out and they offer money. and And in the olden days, it used to be that hey, look, I got a job. I'm Charles White, and I got a job turning on the automatic sprinkler system <laughs> at USC. and I worked for the university, and that's how I got my money. And, and I'm just throwing Charles White out there because. You know, there was questions on him back when he played for USC. I'm not saying he actually did that. Uh, but instead of getting side deals and working for, you know, auto dealers and stuff like that, they're going to come out for their name, their image, their likeness. And we're paying you to be a football player or a basketball player or soccer, baseball, whatever, for the university because we want to use your image, your name, your likeness, for advertising and it's their way of being able to pay players to come play for them. And in that sense, since they're paying players, the schools with the deeper pockets that are able to raise the money are the schools that are going to be the best because I'm a college kid. Why am I going to go play for free at wake forest when I can make 2 million at Notre Dame? It, It doesn't make sense. It's a better program. It gives me a better chance to move to the next level and I'm
0: making money. So, as you said, college football is going to continue to evolve, and we don't know a lot about this proposal. But it, it sounds like, from what we do know, it's going to make it even more uh, weighted in the direction that you're talking about. The NCAA president, Charlie Baker, unveiled a proposal yesterday in a letter to Division One schools, which is a proposed shift in governance that would effectively enable big-money athletic departments, like the ones you're talking about, to directly compensate athletes by allowing each to create an enhanced educational trust fund that would funnel money to athletes. So this is above and beyond. The proposal would also allow those same schools to branch off and make their own rules, which sounds like the Wild West of college football, surrounding roster size transfers and the NIL issue, among others. There's still a lot to be learned about the NCAA's proposal, but the big takeaway... Says ESPN is the NCAA is opening the door for big money schools to branch off from everyone else and directly pay their athletes. That to me, without a lot of information, Steve, sounds like what you just described on steroids.
1: Absolutely. Okay. And I'm going to go off record here slightly. <laughs> Shouldn't Reggie Bush be demanding his Heisman trophy back? Ah. I mean, they went after him because his parents, you know, got a place in San Diego. And USC supposedly paid the rent for their house, even though it wasn't a very extravagant house, but it was a living, you know, home for them. Uh, and now we're looking at this. Now, the clause that's in that proposal, if you go down into that fine writing in the clause, uh, it also says that money must be equally distributed to men and women. Mm-hmm. So, their football, their basketball programs at these universities bring in a lot of money. So you're telling me that if the football team pays $50 million to bring the the players there to be competitive to play for a national championship, that they're gonna have to put $50 million just from the football portion into the women's, which that's an awful lot of money going to the women's sports. And my argument, not that I'm saying women don't deserve the money because they do and all the college sports need money to support them and all of that other stuff, but the football program brings in a lot more money than, say, the women's basketball program or a women's volleyball program. Should the players of the women's basketball program really be making as much money as the players for the men's basketball program? Only at UConn.
0: (laughs) I mean, there's very rare examples where where – and – this is a very sensitive, touchy mm-hmm. subject for a lot of people, but th- when you step back, the numbers are the numbers, and and th- there are very few. It's like, you know, put, put a couple sports fans in a room like you and me and set a timer and say, okay, go. Name the five most prominent female collegiate sports teams. It's like I blurt out UConn, and, I'm, and then I start to struggle, like, it, it, whereas you do it with men. And you still, I, I, the first thing I ask is bet, bet, you know, basketball or football, and then I'm going to go down the road of either Duke, North Carolina, et cetera, or, or, or Alabama, Georgia, et cetera. That, that is extraordinary. If, if the way you understand it is, let's say Alabama is paying next year $50 million for, the, for, for all of their college football athletes. They have to then pay $50 million to all to, – can they spread it out over all the women's sports?
1: They can spread it all out, but understand that if you take men's sports and you take Jeez. North Carolina with their football team, their baseball team, their basketball team, and let's say North Carolina is spending $100 million on all of their men's sports combined. Well, that means $100 million has to go to the women's sports combined to pay their players. Yes, it's wonderful for the women athletes, but... You're not going to tell me that the women's basketball brings up in as much as the men's basketball team in revenue to the university. And that's where I think you're going to have some issues there. And so then you're going to get the the school saying, oh, well, we're going to put it there, but then we determine when we give it to the players, but then we choose not to. I just think there's a lot of issues that can really go there because the way I read the article is The school puts it in a so-called trust fund, but then the school decides when they're going to release it to that player. Well, who's to say they ever fully have to release it? And I just think you can get in a lot of trouble there as well. Uh, I I think the idea is interesting. I'm not a big fan of it because I really think this turns into basically – booster professional sports for college, you know, AM who has an unlimited huh. sources, you know, they're going to be paying as much as anybody anywhere. And we'd see it when they pay $75 million to get rid of their football head coach and just swallow that contract. I mean, how much are they going to put into players to play? And if you're a Northwestern, a Stanford, a Vanderbilt, How can you even think about competing? So to me, these these schools are going to have to drop out of those conferences and have to go play at a lower level. And what are we going to end up with then? Maybe 40 40 college football programs that are at the elite and then everybody else. So we're going to have like Division One will be on steroids because it will be all the – teams that can't compete at this level and then division two will be what division one, you know, so we go to division four.
0: They've got a lot to work out with this and and we need, it it will, it will know more when we know more. And then we'll know what a mess this, this is going to be. Caleb Williams is not going to play in the holiday bowl. He's widely expected to forego his senior season, declare for the NFL draft. He's been projected number one. Um, But first, does it matter that he's not playing in the holiday bowl? No,
1: not not at all, and another reason I believe they need to expand the college football playoffs is because we want to see these top prospects play in bowl games. That's the whole purpose behind it. We want one more time. It's a big bowl game. You know, when I was a kid, the bowl games were huge, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Uh, nowadays, unless you're in the college football playoffs, I mean, you don't even see fans going. And if you're not in the college football playoffs and you're a top, player like Caleb Williams, Drake may, why are you running a risk of getting hurt? You're not going to. So you don't see any of the top players play unless they're in the college football playoffs. So expand the college football playoffs. So we see the best players play again.
0: So the, uh, even though the draft, the NFL draft isn't until mid spring next year, draft season starts for a lot of people. Now that we're in that lull before the the bowl games, um, w- w- when it comes to the NFL draft, Steve, how do you approach it? I've always heard there's two ways uh, to look at it. The team, Whoever's next up on the clock, the team should fit their need, is one argument. We need a defensive, we need to fill a defensive hole. Who's the best defensive player? The other argument is take the best player. Which one do you come down on? Because the best player in college football might not be the one that, that fills your needs. If you need a star quarterback, but the best player in college football is Marvin Harrison Jr., do you take Marvin Harrison Jr. as a wide receiver if you're Steve Mickelson, or do you take the quarterback you need?
1: I fall under the take the best player available. I figure I can move my roster around enough to accommodate things. Uh, Everyone is so big on let's go get the star quarterback and let's use the first-round pick and a high pick for the star quarterback. And we see so many of them not pan out in the NFL. But if you don't have a good offensive line, a good defensive line, uh, I mean, I've said for years of Peyton Manning, and and I believe Peyton Manning to be – one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play in the NFL. But if Peyton Manning or Tom Brady played for the Detroit Lions, you know, early on in their career, we wouldn't even be talking about them. They wouldn't even be Hall of Famers. You have to have a line that can block people. We saw it with, you know, David Carr when he came out with the Texans years ago. He was sacked like 158 times in his first three seasons and just couldn't perform anymore, and he was a number one draft pick. You got to protect the quarterback, first of all. Then you have to get good pieces. I believe if you protect a quarterback, you can have a, you still need a good quarterback, but you can have a game manager until you can then go out and get a good, good quarterback. And not a slam on Brock Purdy, but you know, you look at the Brock Purdy, you got the weapons, you got the offensive line, and, and, Brock Purdy looks really good in that 49ers offense. Would Brock Purdy look the same way in the Arizona Cardinals offense or the Carolina Panthers offense? Probably not. So you need to get those linemen and the other parts to make it happen. And and it's not a slam against Brock Purdy. I I think he does an outstanding job for the 49ers and I give him a ton of credit and, and I don't believe the, all the criticism he gets is not deserved because he's still the one who has to go out and make the passes. But a quarterback by itself with no other weapons like Bryce Young in Carolina, they got nothing. They got no running game. They got no wide receivers. They have an awful offensive line. The guy's got no chance.
0: So you've been saying uh, for a good part of the year that you think Justin Fields has not gotten a fair shake in in Chicago and that maybe it's not a good fit, etc. And it sure does seem like, based on off-the-field comments, that they all kind of feel that way. Looks like the Bears will have the number one pick because they actually have the Carolina Panthers pick. Do the Bears, given your mindset, move on from Justin Fields, take Caleb Williams, or if you have a different quarterback you think they should take, or do the Bears take Marvin Harrison Jr., for example? I think I,
1: I would sit back and one, they gotta decide is Justin Fields their guy or do they want a different quarterback? I think you gotta test the market. What can you get for a Justin Fields? Because if you can get a second round draft pick or something like that for Justin Fields, then you know move him on, bring in a Caleb Williams, because I don't believe it's a good fit with the current coaching staff and personnel. But if the best you can get is Justin Fields for a fourth or a fifth round draft pick, you know, you're basically giving away. And I will tell you, I'd be one of the teams sitting there saying, look, bring on Justin Fields. Like the Cowboys did with Trey Lance. Let's find out. It doesn't cost us anything. Chances are a fourth or fifth round draft pick is not going to make or break our season. And at the end of the day, that player is probably not going to contribute to the long-term success of our organization. So why not take the flyer? But I would with the current bear setup, I would draft a quarterback. I would look to move Justin Fields. And because I also have my draft pick in addition to the Panthers, I hope that I end up third and I can get Marvin Harrison third and I can get that top notch wide receiver to go with my quarterback. And then I got to figure out because, you know, I have X amount of money hopefully in my bankroll and, I have to go get protection. I got to go find some linemen to block.
0: And that would be a big part of the decision. Uh, maybe uh, is exactly where the Bears wind up uh, with with the with their pick right now. Like if the season ended today, they're at fifth, but they have the first one with with the Panthers. So first of all, let me go back. Is Caleb Williams the best quarterback in the draft still to you?
1: I, I think he is. Uh, I saw a mock draft that came out yesterday that had. Uh, Drake May went mm-hmm. number one to the Bears. Drake May is much more of the pro style quarterback, uh, where Caleb Williams is the dual threat. He can run and he just can make things happen, you know. More unlike the Patrick Mahomes type thing, uh, I'm still not convinced that Justin Fields can't play in the NFL. I still like Justin Fields. I would love to if I was the GM of the Bears and had the right head coach and, and the right offensive scheme. I'd love to be trying to trade that number one pick and just get a big haul with, like, three number ones, still pick in the top six or seven, uh, and then have a couple more number ones down the road to really build my team out long term. And I, I'm not convinced that Justin Fields can't get it done and if you get the supporting cast.
0: There's, there are, of course, there's a lot of wild, speculative stories out there under the, the, the storybook line of, First things first, hire Jim Harbaugh to be your coach and make the whole system different and let Jim Harbaugh find out if he can do with Justin Fields what he did for a little while with Colin Kaepernick and and go down the path that you're talking. And so there's all these, you know, questionable things, but the the Drake May story, he has shot up on people's draft potential board and the the, the most of the mock drafts that I saw preparing for today's show where the Patriots pick second. Presume that Belichick will still be around, which I know you and I aren't sure of uh, for another season. But uh, the, a lot of people have Belichick liking Drake May for exactly what you said. He's more of the traditional professional style quarterback and would fit in better with Belichick. I, that is all kind of, I don't know how moot that is for you and me because the Belichick staying in New England storyline is getting harder and harder to believe.
1: Yeah, it is. But, you know, if he stays, I think Drake may would fit in nicely with the Patriots and and everything they do. And back to the Bears for a second. And you've heard me say this over and over and over again. It all comes down to ownership. Bears have bad ownership. They're not going to make the right football decisions. Thus, I don't believe they're going to make the right football decision to put their team in a position to be successful for an extended period of time, even though they are so draft rich this year. They're going to find a way to blow it. And I'm, I'm sorry, Bear fans. It's just the the reality is bad ownership makes bad decisions, thus
0: a bad team. One more one more college football story, Steve. Why is it that the overwhelming majority of Heisman Trophy winners don't go on to be the best players in the NFL?
1: Uh, you know, you get into systems surrounding casts. You know, Tim Tebow, we all knew wasn't going to be a good NFL quarterback. He wasn't. You know, accurate and consistent and had a lot of bad habits. But man, he played well at Florida. I mean, we saw him win two national championships. He fits so nicely into that program and everything they did. And, and it just shows the difference. College football and pro football are two different games. There's different, you know, in the pro level, for wide receiver to fully get open consistently, you have to be elite at the college level because there's such a difference in talent. If you have a good wide receiver, there's a lot of bad DBs in college football. You can still get separation and that separation and the speed of the game is the big difference. The NFL is so quick. I mean, these are the elite of the elites playing. College football there's a lot of players who will never play in the NFL that you're facing every single week. And if you have a good coach and you have some good players and some good skill players you can exploit those weaknesses of those opponents.
0: It is it is wild if you've ever been to, say, an elite college football game. I've, I've been fortunate enough to go to a couple, uh, including uh, you know, Texas against uh, Oklahoma, uh, in a couple of the Red River shootouts. The difference between the speed of that, which is extraordinarily faster than high school football, but then when you go to an NFL game and you're seeing it with your own eyes because you're so right. It is so fast, which is – and I think a lot of people conflate or, or confuse – the NFL draft is where teams are predicting whether or not you're going to be good in the NFL. The Heisman Trophy is just about were you the best in college football. It'll be announced on Saturday. There's four finalists, LSU's Jaden Daniels, Oregon's Bo Nix, Washington's Michael Penix, and Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. I keep hearing, and what I've seen of him, it's hard for me to argue, that Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in college football. Um, he sure comes from great stock. Does he deserve the Heisman Trophy, or who do you have winning it?
1: Well, Marvin Harrison is hands down the best wide receiver. He's could be the best prospect in what he's going to do in the NFL, but he's not going to go number one. And I can't give the Heisman to Marvin Harrison. I mean, Malik Nabors at LSU beats Harrison in receiving, you know, receptions, mm-hmm. yards, they're tied for touchdowns. So if you're just going by numbers, not ability – You know, to me, Malik Neighbors beats Marvin Harrison Jr. for numbers he's put up this year. So that, to me, throws out Marvin Harrison as a finalist right there. You know, Penix has had a great year. He threw for the most yards, but he had nine interceptions, only 33 touchdowns. Jaden Daniels had 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. Bo Nix had 40 touchdowns, only three interceptions. I'm not pleased with the Heisman finalists. I... I am You know, I don't think anybody other than Harrison's really of these four is going to go to the NFL and really be an impact player. But, you know, right now I would probably lean towards Jaden Daniels as my Heisman, even though he didn't throw for as many yards. You know, he's got a 208 quarterback rating. He had 10 rushing touchdowns. He really was a dual threat for LSU. But then again, LSU was never really – An elite team never in the college football championship talk. And so it wouldn't surprise me if Penix and Knicks finish higher than Daniels. But if you just go by numbers, to me, I would probably go Jaden Daniels, but I can take. Bo Nix also. Michael Penix Jr. to me is just because Washington's undefeated.
0: Uh, let's jump over to baseball. It's hot stove time. The rumors are flying around. That's all most of them are is Juan Soto going to the Yankees, et cetera. And really, everybody is watching something we've talked about a few times already, uh, the uh, the sweepstakes for Shohei Otani. The Dodgers uh, are, have confirmed publicly uh, that they met with him for hours, uh, and they're acting like they're the front runners. Uh, Dodgers manager Dave Roberts divulged that the team met with Otani at Dodger Stadium for a few hours last week. Uh, there have also been uh, meetings, were told, with the Blue Jays and the San Francisco Giants. Team officials won't confirm on the record, but they also won't deny it either. The Blue Jays, the Angels, and the Giants, according to reports, are firmly in the running for the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. Along with the Dodgers, the Cubs have balked at Otani's price tag, which all the, the word is he is sticking to, he and his agent, 10 years, $500 million. And if you're not even willing to get into that ballgame, you're not in the running for a guy who won't be able to pitch for all next year, and we won't know if he'll ever be the same. But hey, he gets to hit for you. Um, how do you see the Otani thing going, Steve?
1: Yeah, I I would not be in the Otani sweepstake. Yes, he is unbelievable. He's as much fun to watch as a player as we've had in a long time. I mean, you you could say that he's the best player to play Major League Baseball since Babe Ruth. I I just, I have too many questions with it. You know, this is his second uh, torn, you know, collateral ligament in five years, which is a hybrid version of the Tommy John He's not going to be able to pitch again until 2025, and is he really going to be able to pitch at the level, or is he not? And and that's a big question. To shell out 500 million for a two way player that you really don't even know if he can pitch anymore, and wherever he plays, he's got a DH because he can't throw. So this first year, he's going to be DHing 50 million dollars for a DH <laughs> just. Oh my gosh, David Ortiz is like, give me a bat, let me get back in baseball.
0: And it really is, a lot of it's got to be the motivation behind why you're doing it. Because if you're doing it for, for like instant money, if you, sh- if you sign Shohei Otani, and these are all major, league, major market teams, you're going to get an influx of season ticket sales. You're going to have fans going, oh my God, this is it. This is, gonna be. But then you've got to continue to win. And the, when you stop winning, if, if you become the Los Angeles Angels with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani and you suck, Eventually, the fan base goes away. But if you're looking to actually win and win long term, that's where it seems. Unless you just have money to burn, like the Dodgers do, where it's just less likely that you want to be in the sweepstakes. And I wonder if that's if if the the, the thing with the Dodgers is why not Adam? We, we're already basically there. We've got the money. He's in Southern California. I mean, it just seems like the the, the typical Dodger flex move.
1: Yeah, but t- to me, you got to look at the the. S- strength of that franchise long-term. And we watched it with the Angels (laughs) when they signed Albert Pujols. Yes, he was a good player for like the first three or four years of that 10-year contract. But then he absorbed so much money that could have been going to other players that it never allowed the Dodgers – I mean, the Angels to really get any pitching, never allowed them to add the depth. Yes, they went out and they signed Josh Hamilton. They, They went out and signed Anthony Rendon. They got Shohei Otani. But you know what? They were never really that good. And they didn't win it when Albert Pujols was still at his prime years his first, you know, couple of years with the Angels. If Shohei can't pitch and you're paying over fifty million dollars a year for ten years for a DH, that's insane.
0: Are you surprised that by all reports the Yankees are not in the running? or even pursuing Uh,
1: from what I understand is Shohei Otani says he will not play in New York. So that eliminated the Yankees and the Mets immediately, which even if that's the case, my question would be, why would you make that public? Because those two franchises help drive up your asking price (laughs) to, to bring you more money, which is contradictory because by rights, Scott Boris is his agent and is looking for all the money he can get Why would you eliminate a market like New York? Just keep it quiet. No, look, I'm never signing with the Mets. I'm never signing with the Yankees, which, again, is very surprising because one of the complaints out there is sports writers want this offseason and his free agency tracking to be very public, wants to hear what's going on with everyone, and Otani's taking the look. You cannot talk to the press. You cannot tell them what's going on. I want to keep it very private because this is about me and my future, and I respect that. But how does that get out, and why does it get out? Because that's the market you want in to help drive the price that you're trying to get. I wouldn't be going over 200, 250 million for Otani, which is why I would never even be talking to him because I wouldn't want to be taking that big a gamble no matter how big my bankroll was.
0: So since sports betting is a part of this show, if you had to drop a line, who who's the favorite to who what what team is the favorite do you think from what we're seeing and hearing to actually sign Otani?
1: I don't know if the public's gonna want to hear this, but I still think the Angels are probably the favorite. He, he knows them. He has a routine. He's been with the team. He knows what to expect. And, and as they say, the grass is not always greener elsewhere. He's already – good. I mean, he's going to make enough money. It's numbers on paper. It's not going to affect – he's set for life. His children are set for life. His grandchildren are set for life. It's numbers on paper at this point. To me, your decision goes down to where are you comfortable? What do you know? And that's why I think the Angels are probably the favorites. I think the Dodgers have a really good shot, and I'd put them number two just because it's still kind of the same area. Hey, he may not have to move. I don't know where he lives or what he does, but it's still in the general area, even though Anaheim is, you know, not like 20 miles down the road. It is a little bit to get to Dodger Stadium from Anaheim. But, you know, it's still the same General area.
0: Well, we talked recently, Steve, about you. Just uh, you're in Las Vegas, and you just had uh, the the Formula One race first year. They've got some bugs to to work out, uh, but Vegas has become the, this this mecca, and 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 you're sitting right there in it. Well, you got you got the Super Bowl uh, in February. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell was at a, a brunch yesterday and was congratulating the city leaders for the image shift that has helped the city land the league's championship game, and says you really have become sports town. USA, which it, it it's already the entertainment capital of America, and now yesterday we find out that the NHL uh, has announced the 2024 NHL draft will be held in Vegas, and the league is finalizing plans to hold the event at the Sphere, which is this awesome new ball uh, that that is is has just the pictures that come out of it when you two plays is just uh, in, incredible, and uh, they're going to stage what they call a dramatic event. I mean, you you are what watching. A renaissance of Las Vegas, not eliminating what Vegas is at all, just adding to it. This has got to be an exciting time to be down there, other than the traffic issues.
1: Oh, a- absolutely! It, it's becoming the sports capital of the world, w- without a doubt. I'm looking forward to the NHL draft on it because I can see the top half of the sphere for my house. <laughs> so you, you got to believe with all the graphics they they're doing that they're going to show the logo. This is the team up. So you're going to be. So I can sit and watch the draft on. <laughs> from my balcony and just kind of keep an eye on it just by looking at the sphere. Okay. The New York Rangers are up. Oh, this is the player they select because the player's picture is going to go up on it. And, and, uh, but no, Las Vegas in 10 years ago was taboo to sports and, and it really is becoming the sports capital of the world. I'm glad to be here because it's really going to help for my retirement stage <laughs> because when I retire in about 10 years, I want to be an usher for, you know the a's when they get here and i want to be an usher for the golden knights and and that's how i spend my retirement i don't want to sit at home i want to just go to the games and yeah your seat's right over here sir
0: do you uh, do you go out every night and on the balcony and see what they're doing with the sphere just to see uh, what, what the images are
1: uh no no but i i on occasion not in every night i, I want to spend a little time with my wife not <laughs> stargaze at the sphere
0: Uh, We alluded to it uh, earlier when we were talking about uh, Florida State. Cincinnati Bengals quarterback Jake Browning. That's right, not Joe Burrow. He's out for the year. Jake Browning on Monday Night Football went 32 of 37, 354 yards, two touchdowns, helped the Bengals snap a three-game losing streak. That is a historic outing over the Jacksonville Jaguars because Browning becomes the first undrafted player in the common era to throw for more than 350 passing yards. And complete 85% of his passes. Now the Bengals are six and six. Everybody buried them at least twice. Uh, First time early in the season when Burrow didn't look right. Second time when okay, now we know Burrow's out for the season. It's it's not. I mean they got a long way to go. They're currently tenth in the in the playoff standings, but they're only a game back from being sixth. Can they keep this going, Steve? It
1: would be a wonderful story if they could. But don't leave this to the college football playoff committee because they would have already (laughs) said the Bengals can't play anymore this year because they lost their star quarterback. So obviously they can't be good. Their season's over. But Browning was unbelievable on Monday. Uh, That was actually one of my plays this week. I like the Bengals plus the point. I took them at plus eight and a half. This game went up to ten, so that kind of shows that – you know, I was in on Jake Browning, but he he had as good of a game as you could have. As long as Mixon's able to run the ball and take some pressure off of him, I think the Bengals will be all right. But I don't put him as a serious contender. You know, the teams ahead of him, the Browns, yes, I think they can be better than the Browns, better than the Steelers. Uh, but... If they make the playoffs, they're really not going anywhere.
0: Yeah, and and that's still a big if because they do have to go to Pittsburgh and to Kansas City later in the year. This Sunday, uh, they host the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, the what's the what's the the look for the Bengals against the Colts?
1: Yeah, right now the the Colts opened up before the game as a two two and a half point favorite. It's down to one, uh, so there is some belief in the Bengals that they're a better team. But this Colts offense, I mean, they've been able to score all year. It's just whether or not they turn the ball over. When they don't turn it over, uh, you know, they tend to win the games, and they've been a surprise all year. I've never really considered them as a really good team, but, man, they just keep getting it done week after week. But I will be rooting for the Bengals in this spot. I hope Jake Browning has another big game. I, I think the Bengals are a more talented team, but uh, – And I'll be rooting for the Bengals, but this right now to me is a game to stay away from, from my, you know, the way I look at this, just because I'm not sure the Colts should be favored on the road, but I'm not sold that the Bengals are the team we lost Monday they might be closer to the team we saw get blown out by the Steelers the week before.
0: Does this Jake Browning story turn into, if if he continues to play well, well, he's too good to be a backup, and then some other team somehow lands him in a trade, signs him to a huge contract, and then we find out in the second season that he's not all that Daniel Jones? I can absolutely see that
1: happening. You get caught up in the hype. Everybody loves the backup quarterback because when he steps in, you know, there's usually not that much pressure on him. They play really well. But then when they get thrust in the starting role after time and there's game film out on him, you then suddenly start seeing that, you know, there's a reason he was a backup. And Josh Dobbs is one of the, the players I would point to. You know, Joshua Dobbs comes in, wins his first two games for the Vikings. He's using a very simple slide. You know playbook because he doesn't really know the offense so let's keep it simple let's play to his strengths they opened it wide open they started throwing their whole playbook at him he hasn't been the same quarterback (laughs) since and and now you're watching him going yeah great story but there's a reason joshua dobbs has been with seven teams in like four years and he's a backup
0: now the bengals they beat the jacksonville jaguars who i i think you've been higher on the jags than i have they seem to me like a team that'll make the playoffs and not go anywhere And they've had a few forkers, and then they uh, their quarterback Trevor Lawrence, which he's kind of the team, uh, similar to the Joe Burrow thing. We thought uh, he he had to leave the game with a right ankle injury. As of this morning, they're saying that they won't rule out the possibility of Trevor Lawrence playing Sunday. The Jags are eight and four, but I just I'm not feeling it with the Jags this season, Steve. Uh,
1: They're a very good, solid team. They're not elite. They're just, they have depth and they're a very good team. They really don't make a whole lot of mistakes, but they're going up against a Cleveland Browns defense that is mm-hmm. the best defense in the NFL. And Rob, you're a 49ers fan. <laughs> CJ Beathard at quarterbacker, beat hard as you always call him. Oh. I mean, yeah, you're going to say Trevor Lawrence has a chance to play because I don't even want anybody thinking that I don't have a shot if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play. You know, this game swung from the Jags being, I believe it was a three-point favorite opening. We're now looking at the Browns, a three-point favorite, moving towards three and a half. So no one's sold that Beathard could get the job done for the Jags either. You know, Christian Kirk now is out for six to eight weeks with an injury. So they lost one of their wide receivers on top of it. A bad time for the Jags to start getting those injuries, but hopefully Trevor Lawrence will be back soon. To me, he is one of the top young quarterbacks in the game, and I don't want to see him get injured long-term because he is a lot of fun to watch because he is really talented. But the Jags team's not the same without Trevor Lawrence.
0: It's, and it's that time of the year where a lot of backup quarterbacks are are starting or getting roles. The Steelers uh, quarterback, Kenny Pickett, underwent ankle surgery, according to Mike Tomlin, the head coach, to, quote, accelerate the healing process on a high sprain to his right ankle. He will be out for tomorrow night's game against the Patriots, and the best news there is that tomorrow night's game is against the Patriots. Mike Trubitsky will start uh, for the Steelers, and and for some reason, I'm still fully confident in Pittsburgh winning that game.
1: Yeah, it's just this Patriots offense is so bad. I believe the Patriots have given up the fewest points to their opponents since week nine, but yet... They haven't won a game. I, I, I mean, we watch every week. They give up 10 points and they still get beat because their offense is that bad. I don't think Mitch Trubisky is that big of a drop back from a Kenny Pickett. I've had serious questions with Pickett all year long. Uh, you know to me I think he's more of a backup quarterback and kudos to Mike Tomlin because he still finds a way to win even though he's very limited at quarterback but I I think Tomlin will get the most out of Mitch Trubisky and I think the Steelers can go on and and they need a win after getting beat last week against the Cardinals so I I expect short weeks Steelers will come out and and look good this week.
0: And Pittsburgh's the fifth seed right now in the AFC. Uh, they they too seem to me like a team that if they make it into the playoffs, they ain't going anywhere. But are they even going to make it into the playoffs?
1: Uh, well, if nine wins gets you there, I mean, Tomlin always finds a way to, yeah. to be above 500, but they're, they're not going anywhere. They, they are not good at quarterback. Trubisky at times has looked phenomenal in his career, but there's just so many games that are just clunkers that just – doesn't look good, makes really bad throws, really bad decisions. The interesting part for this game for me is this total is 30, 3-0. This is one of the lowest totals I've seen in an NFL game. But again, neither both defenses are really, really good. Both offenses can really struggle touchdowns are going to be tough to come by in
0: this game. I'm not sure that, that we would have even bothered talking about uh, the, the Jets this week, but something really caught my eye, Steve. Uh, the, obviously, they lost Aaron Rodgers uh, early in the year, and, and we'll talk on the next podcast about him coming back on Christmas Eve again, w- whether that will happen or we'll know more. They, they, they went to Zach Wilson. They went to Tim Boyle, and now Coach Robert Sala is weighing yet another quarterback change. Possibly Trevor Simeon could be up next uh, the the Jets lost to the Falcons, but then within the story, I started to find there are rumblings that Robert Sala's job is in jeopardy, and I I don't know how legitimate those rumblings are, but they're coming out of major media outlets and they're they're getting chatted about. And I and look, I know I love Robert Sala; he's a former Niners guy, uh, and I liked him when he was with the Niners. I find that to be ridiculous given the Aaron Rodgers injury. I mean, is that fair chatter?
1: I think it's New York chatter. I I don't think he should really be on the hot seat at all. Anytime a team's got to go to four quarterbacks, you can't have expected them to really be in the playoffs. Their whole season was based on, you know, Aaron Rodgers being their quarterback and being one of the top teams in the NFL. When he went down on his fourth play of the season out for the year, come on, the expectations for the jets went right out the window. The thing I find interesting is Tim Boyle, who started the last two games for him was released So they're looking at Trevor Simeon, but they went out and they signed uh, Brett Rippon to be the backup quarterback. But out of nowhere, Zach Wilson is stepping in, and Zach Wilson will get the start this weekend. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, who went out on a podcast yesterday and stated, which. Um, and again, Aaron Rodgers, lately some of the things he's been saying I've agreed with very much so because there was a story that came out that Zach Wilson – uh, was like a, they were looking to go back to him, but he wasn't going to go back right. into the starting quarterback, you know. Uh, and you just—he wasn't why comfortable. Would the Jets yeah. release that, <laughs> and you know, I'm sorry. Even if I'm mad at the organization, you're giving me an opportunity to start for him again. I can showcase what I can do. He's going to start, and Aaron Rodgers called the Jets media and the Jets organization out for that. And Zach Wilson was announced as the starting quarterback today. So thank you, Aaron Rodgers. Wilson should be the starting quarterback. Yes, I'm not pleased with him. He doesn't look good, but he's far better than your options.
0: Um, and thank you for that uh, breaking news. I had not seen that it was officially announced that uh, Zach Wilson is starting. You said earlier, uh, so I already know, that that you believe the best team in the NFL right now is the San Francisco 49ers. They go out, they take care of uh, of the Eagles uh, without much fanfare last weekend. And um, th- we talk all the time that sports betting is so prevalent now in all of the sports, and so everybody's in bed with each other, and ESPN has this thing called ESPN Bet, and they've changed their odds. They now have the Niners, a 3-1 to favorite to go all the way and win the Super Bowl. They've got the Chiefs and the Eagles down to 5-1 uh, to one odds. Now, you have said all year, and we saw it happen during the season, Steve, the key to the Niners' success is they have to stay healthy. and I actually started doing a fun thing in my head of if you had to pick the worst person to get injured, like right away you know it's Christian McCaffrey, and you start to think, well, okay, if, if one of the big six have to get injured, who do you want it to be? You've said before that uh, you think they could still go all the way uh, if Brock Purdy went down, um, if they had to rely on, uh, on Donald, or whatever his name is, Darnold Donald. Uh, to, Sam Darnold. To us to step in. Um, Are you, are you, see, I'm always cautious, like you are with your Lions, because it's like, it feels like the NFL is really feeling it. They're really feeling the Niners, that they are, they are like, they're anointed if they stay healthy. Are you that overwhelmingly confident in them?
1: I have been before the season started. I I felt they had the best roster in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey going down would be a serious blow to this offense. Uh, To me, Samuel would be number two. Mm Uh, because I don't think they have the depth at wide receiver to really overcome and beat these elite teams. You know, Bosa used to be a very big concern when he wasn't playing. That defensive is nowhere near as good as they can be. They went out and they picked up Chase Young. So where I think Bosa still is a major, major part of that defense, I I don't think it's as big as it would have been if they hadn't added, you know, a couple of players to that defensive line rotation. Uh, this the Niners are so good they have a system it's tough to cover everybody on that offense and their defense they have all pro players at all three lines defensive line the linebackers the secondary you know no other team in the NFL has that depth and that strength you know everywhere on the field and and that's why I've believed in the 49ers the entire season and uh, I still do just Got to stay healthy.
0: Uh, We got an email uh, here from – I know what it said, but I wanted to give the guy credit. Oh, there it is. Uh, Robert wrote in, R-A-D at radradio.com, says, Rob, do you and Steve both see the Niners go on a 12- or 13-game win streak to win it all? This kind of ties in everything. Beating the Eagles, and then if the Eagles were to lose to Dallas – then the, can the Niners get the number one seed, which at least they get the, uh, the 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 week off, the first week by. And if you look at their schedule, Steve, they've got uh, Seattle, uh, who we'll talk about in a moment. Then they go to Arizona. Christmas night could be a Super Bowl preview when they play the Ravens. And then they've got uh, the Rams uh, to uh, round up uh, the season in San Francisco. I mean, the Ravens game is the one that stands out. Uh, but the, the, where? let's do, again, the 30,000 foot thing. Do you see the Niners winding up with the number one seed and they would have to win out or not?
1: Well, obviously, they have to win out. I don't think it's as important for the 49ers to be the number one seed. I think they can go out on the road and they can go into any stadium and win. I, I'm not fearful. We watched the 49ers go into Philadelphia and destroy the Eagles. So the number one seed for them is not as important as what I believe to be for the Eagles. I think the Eagles need to have the weather. They need to have the cold, a little bit of intimidation of playing in January in Philadelphia. Uh, So if the Eagles beat the Cowboys this upcoming weekend, by the way, the Cowboys are a three and a half point favorite Mm. over the Eagles, which surprises me. That line's, a little bit higher, I thought it'd be in that two, two and a half. So the fact that it's three plus really surprises me. But if the Eagles go out and win that game, then to me, the Ravens game isn't that important because the Eagles are going to have the number one spot. You don't want to lose in December. It is Christmas Day. It is a non-conference game. If you're going to lose, that's not a bad loss for the 49ers. But I would like to see them just run the table and go undefeated the whole rest of the season. And I think they're strong enough to do that.
0: Now, this Sunday, uh, they've got the Seahawks who have been going the wrong way. Uh, but it's always a rivalry game. These two teams still don't like each other. Uh, it, it, what's that game look like, uh, Steve?
1: Yeah, it's 10 and a half. There are oh, a couple of 11s out there for the 49ers. It's oh. a big number for a, a divisional game. You know, the Seahawks have played the 49ers tough in the past. So for me, it's tough to lay those kind of points. If I was looking at it, I'd look at the Seahawks. But the Seahawks teams had some injuries, and they're just not the same team that they were early on in the season. And the 49ers clearly are the better team. Pretty much for all of these games, the Niners can pretty much, you know, dictate the final score. It is a divisional game, so I don't expect the Niners to have a letdown you can see teams have letdowns after a huge emotional win like the 49ers had last week but being a divisional game i don't see the 49ers doing that in this spot so it'll be a good game i'm hoping the seahawks can keep it close because i know the betting public's going to be all over the 49ers
0: mm-hmm. uh speaking of the betting public uh, back to espn bet uh they 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 came out with their uh their favorites to win the NFL MVP, and and going into last weekend, Brock Purdy was nine to one to win the NFL regular season MVP behind four players. When they came out Monday after the Eagles' loss or the Niners beating the Eagles, however you want to phrase it, Purdy is the favorite at three to one to win the MVP in the legitimate world. At least at uh, at Caesar's Sportsbook, they had they the Pro- Brock Purdy began the season as a forty-five to one long shot to win the MVP, and he did attract significant betting interest. Adam Pullen, the assistant director of trading for Caesars, says that Purdy winning the award would be the worst-case scenario for the House, uh, given all that. I, look, I, he's he's my guy, but I don't see Brock Purdy as a legitimate MVP candidate. It, it, am, am, I, am I wrong?
1: I, I agree with you. I mean, the, normally the team that wins the Super Bowl, the quarterback for that team should be the, odds-on favorite to win the Heisman. I just don't think that, you know, Brock Purdy gets the respect he deserves. Um, I I think he has done a phenomenal job. I, I like the fact that he's airing the ball out a little bit more. But I just, this morning, was watching a clip from, you know, Micah Parsons does a podcast. And Micah Parsons was hinting towards he could make the throws that Brock Purdy is making, saying that Purdy really isn't that good mm. I, I'm sorry you know, look, Micah Parsons can do pretty much anything he wants to be but I struggle a little bit when you tell me that Micah Parsons could be the starting quarterback on the best team in the NFL ahead of the guy who is the starting quarterback so yes Micah Parsons far far more talented than me and who am I to question it I just I, I just see it as some disrespect to Brock Purdy and what he's done I mean Trey Lance is on the team with Micah Parsons. Trey Lance couldn't get it done. So how's that relationship when Mm. Parsons (laughs) is saying he's better than Brock Purdy? Well, Trey Lance, why are you even on this football team? If I am as good as Brock Purdy, you really have to be terrible to be on this team
0: so there was talk in the middle of the season it's kind of died down uh, that if we're going to stay with the clear best team in the nfl that christian mccaffrey might be a candidate for mvp i mean who do you think is right now the legitimate front runner for mvp
1: Ah, uh, man, I hate to say it, but I think Dak Prescott's got to be right there. Numbers. Um You know, just the numbers he's put up against these bad teams. And at the end of the day, without Dak Prescott, I don't think the Cowboys are sitting where they're at. So you can use the argument of, well, the Cowboys wouldn't be at nine and three right now or whatever it is, if they didn't have Dak Prescott. Brock Purdy, we've seen when Samuel out and, McCaffrey out they really they lost three games in a row um and that's where it makes it tough I I personally I believe Christian McCaffrey is the most valuable player on the 49ers I think he's the player they can afford to lose the least for that team but quarterbacks always get the nod and it's sad but I think Dak Prescott and or someone else will win it before Brock Purdy will win it.
0: Um, we, uh, we were talking before last week, uh, before the Eagles-Niners game, the Eagles are one of these teams that just have, have not quite seen like they're clicking on all cylinders. And we saw the other team, the Kansas City Chiefs, not click on all cylinders again. And and, and they lost to the Packers 27-19. We'll talk about Jordan Love and Green Bay in a minute. What about Kansas City, Steve? They I know that you started the season, rematch of the Super Bowl, Niners beat the Chiefs. I don't know who's – I mean, the Ravens seem like the only elite team in the AFC right now today, but that could change after the weekend. Who knows? Um, But the Chiefs just don't seem like the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, they're not. They're making a a lot of penalties in critical situations, and they've not been effective in the red zone. I mean, we pretty much picture the Chiefs as a team that can score on anybody at any time, and that just hasn't been the case this year. They've been out of sync. They've had some costly penalties, you know, some turnovers – and they're just not the team we've grown so accustomed to seeing. But, man, they still have Patrick Mahomes. And as long as he's healthy and he's on that field, I can never count the Chiefs out.
0: What about Sunday? This was a game that a lot of people circled when the schedule came out. It's late in the season, two AFC behemoths. But they're they are two AFC behemoths that seem to be kind of stumbling towards the finish line that the Chiefs host the Bills.
1: Yeah, to me, both teams need a win here. Watching the Packers beat the Chiefs, I expect the Chiefs to come out and fully ready to play this game. The Bills, if they lose this game, I mean their season's pretty much over, so they can't afford to lose it. But I'm not sold the Bills are the elite team or even a very good team this year. We see it with their record; they're they're not in even, you know, they're not in the playoff picture as of right now. And KC uh, needs to win, so I like KC in this spot to To beat the Bills, they're only a one and a half point favorite. I like that. KC is one of the best home teams in the NFL. So you're basically with that line saying that the Bills on a neutral field will be favored over the Chiefs. I'm just not buying
0: it. Mm -mm. I like that. I like Chiefs and and giving up one and a half. That seems like something to look at. Yeah, you're pretty much
1: saying this is a pick'em game. Hey, who's a better Mm -hmm. team? I think the Chiefs at home are the better team in this game.
0: Now, uh, we, we talked a little bit on Monday about this, Steve. Uh, the, the Packers come out 27-19 behind the arm of Jordan Love. Uh, is this another one of those we buried him too soon? I mean, even the, the GM of Green Bay, like six weeks ago, was publicly saying, eh, we don't know what the future is a quarterback uh, of the Packers. Now he's strung together three good games. It's about to be four because they play the Giants on Monday. I mean, there's, there's a gift. Um, is Jordan Love, I think you said... You didn't think he was a starting quarterback in the NFL. Do you still think that? Ah, uh, he's he's
1: changing my opinion in the last few weeks. You you can see the glimpses of what you know the Packers saw in him. He he's made some unbelievable throws in the last couple of games that you just sit back and it's like you know, not even a handful of quarterbacks can make that throw. So you see the talent. He just, in my opinion, misses too much. I'm glad to see the Packers finally open it up. That was my big bitch early on in the season. You're like, look, you got to find out what you have with this quarterback. And if he's your quarterback going forward, and they were so conservative on everything they did, they never opened up the playbook. But we all have to keep in mind the Packers are, I believe they're the youngest team in the NFL. I mean, the whole team is, you know, first, second, third year players and to sit and expect the whole team to be playing like veterans, they have to learn the game at the NFL level, too. And and I think some people like myself were a little bit too critical too early uh, versus letting the Packers sit back, learn, figure out where this place is. Um, They're starting to look really good. And uh, I'm not convinced that Jordan Love is a really good quarterback or if he's just had a really good stretch, but he should have another big game this this uh, Monday against the Giants.
0: And they're going into this weekend right now in that seventh, that final NFC playoff spot. We presume they, they shouldn't have a problem with the Giants. And if you look at, at, at what they have to do to keep winning, they've got to host the Buccaneers. They go to Carolina. They go to Minnesota. They host the Bears. It would be quite a story if the Packers in Jordan Love's first season got into the playoffs. Yeah. Could you imagine if
1: they finished the season winning like six straight, something like that to make the playoffs and Jordan Love keeps playing the way he is? I I mean, everyone and, and, you know, credit to that franchise. I mean, who goes from Brett Favre, Hall of Fame quarterback to Aaron Rodgers, Hall of Fame quarterback. But that's the tough part that Love has to live up to. I I mean, he has that. I got to be a Hall of Fame or it's a serious step down for this position that, that's a lot of pressure for anyone and uh boy that talk will come back if he you know he runs six seven games in a row'll we'll, we'll be hearing that as well but gotta keep in mind it is a really young team and it's you know a lot of players early on they you see a lot of young players struggle late in the season because they're not used to playing this many games but it's gonna be interesting to see what and I'm glad to see the Packers finally open up this offense for Love to let's see what he can do. And so far, he's been great.
0: You alluded to it earlier. The game of the week is the the Sunday night game uh, with the Cowboys and the Eagles. And uh, Dallas Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy is undergoing surgery today, just five days before uh, the game against the Eagles. He has an acute case of appendicitis uh he will he is expected to be released from the hospital later today he anticipates coaching on Sunday the coordinators will run the practice i'm not sure that this is a real story but this the big story for me steve is do the dallas cowboys finally handle a winning team yeah they beat the seahawks when they when the seahawks were 6 and 5 but can they can they handle in dallas the eagles
1: this is the test and and if the cowboys do we will all be believers that they are you know, possibly the second best team in the NFC. I, I'm just not, I'm not there yet. I, one of the things that I read this week is the Eagles are going to go and reestablish themselves as a running team. And maybe that's the part that's been missing because when the Eagles hit the scene a couple of years ago, the second half, they were really running the ball and being dominated at running at which point it opened up the passing game for Jalen Hurts I think the Eagles have been a little too reliant on throwing the ball and Jalen Hurts carrying the team. I'd love to see the Eagles get back to running the ball consistently and often and then really attacking these teams with, you know, Devontae Smith and and A.J. Brown. So I, I'm looking forward to this game plan, and, you know, I think it's a little bit high. This is one of those I'm looking at the Eagles plus three and a half and
0: and give me a shot. If you're not sold on the Eagles as the second-best team in the NFC, who do you lean towards? No, no, no. The the Cowboys, if they win, they're going to be saying the
1: Cowboys are the second-best team. Oh, no. And and I don't see it. I I think the Eagles are the second-best team in the NFC. But if, you know, you can't tell me the Cowboy fans come Monday morning aren't going to be saying, hey, we're the best team in the NFC no. <laughs> if they beat the Eagles. So I think the Eagles are two. I think the Cowboys are three.
0: Uh, now, if we if we made it the NFL power rankings, do, do the Ravens get above any of those NFC teams for you? Or does any AFC team?
1: I, I would probably put the Ravens number two at the moment. Um, the Ravens' losses have been blowing big leads in the fourth quarter. This Ravens' defense is really good. I'm not sold on Lamar Jackson, but I do believe he creates enough problems with his ability to run the ball, and he has a good enough quarterback throwing the ball. My my bitch with Lamar Jackson is I I think if they're down by 14, I can't see Jackson passing their way back into winning a game, and and that's my complaint is if they get down big, I don't think Jackson can bring them back. Uh, So that's why I've never elevated Jackson into those elite quarterbacks, but I probably have the Ravens two, the Eagles three, you know, then I got to sit and I'd probably put the chiefs at four, uh, you know, and then kind of, you know, probably the Cowboys five. So you, you would put the Cowboys over your lions. Yes, I would. Uh, The lions are really worrying me. The last five games, I believe it is now just not sold. Their secondary is good enough to stop anybody. And, and then it becomes a shootout. So many things can go wrong if it becomes a shootout. Early on the season, the Lions were you know, using strength and power and intimidating and just beating the other teams up. Their defense isn't able to do that anymore, and, and you see it. And these teams are able to move the ball pretty much at will against the Lions' defense. They have to address their secondary in the offseason. Uh, I think their front line is very good. I think their linebackers are decent, but that secondary really having trouble covering people, and it's a big weakness, and you're not going to beat – the Eagles or the Cowboys,
0: you know, if you can't stop a team. When you look at the full week 14 schedule, I mean, you've already given us the gift of the Chiefs. Uh, you're laying out one and a half at home against the Bills. Are there any? Is there anything you would advise people to be looking at from a sports betting aspect where you're going, that has a lot of potential?
1: Well, I, I can tell you, I'm looking at the Thursday game. I think the Patriots, as bad as their offense is, anytime you see a total of 30 and you can give me <laughs> six, Six and a half, and who knows, by game time, I might get seven points. You already know they're not going to score, so if I can get seven points, just keep it close. Hope it's a field goal game. Um, You know, I'm worried a little bit about the Lions against the Bears. By rights, the Bears should have beat them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I I am looking at the Saints against the Panthers. Panthers are awful. They just are. The Saints last week, they came back the second half against the Lions. Just that offense really isn't very consistent and the Saints defensive lines banged up Uh, man I keep falling I am looking at the Buccaneers I do like them a little bit because I'm not sold they should be a dog to the Falcons but the Falcons are at home and they're two and a half point favorite here I just I think the Buccaneers are a better team you know the Falcons are sitting in first place in their division but this whole division's a mess I I mean I'm expect if you can get to eight wins i'm not saying nine get to eight you're probably going to win this division uh other games i'm looking at uh you know the raiders plus three against the vikings tough for me to play the raiders (laughs) because at times they just really can let you down but i'm not convinced the vikings should be a three-point favorite in that game i do like the chiefs Minus one and a half. I do like the Eagles at plus three and a half. Uh, those are the games that I'm looking at right now.
0: Uh, we got this email: uh, R-E-D at radradio.com. We're talking about uh, the the NHL draft is coming to Vegas. You've already got the Super Bowl. The A's are coming to Vegas. You had F1, uh, and, and I mean this. The answer to this question is already yes. We just don't know the other parts of it. Uh, this is from Townsend. He says, does Steve think that Vegas will be getting an NBA team at any point? And if so, who might make that move? I mean, once you get the A's, you've got three of the big four sports. And it seems to me inevitable, unless you've heard something otherwise. Eventually, an NBA team winds up in Vegas. I don't know when. And do do we have any insight as to who it could be?
1: Um, Yes, I believe the Vegas is going to get an NBA team. Vegas is building a NBA arena capacity on the south side of the strip down towards South Point, et cetera. Of course. Um, I believe it's already been passed, and they're just going to start building it. So I would believe the NBA will be here probably about the time the A's get here. I'm hoping it's an expansion team. I, I really am. And, and one of the things that I think was so great about the the Vegas Golden Knights is because it was an expansion team, people didn't have their loyalties to other teams. I'm a Red Wings fan, but I love the Golden Knights. The Golden Knights are, you know, 1B for me. Part of the problem, I think, with the Raiders, and and it is the NFL, but people already have loyalties to other teams. I, I think when you come as a fresh franchise, it's a lot easier for the locals to get behind that team because... Well, I've been a, you know, I've been a Rams fan forever or I've been a Chargers fan and that's why I can't root for the Raiders now they're in Vegas. So I'm hoping the NBA and and I believe all the major sports should have 32 teams. I'm not a big fan of the 30 because there's so much you can do with a schedule with 32 teams like the NFL has. You can get a four team divisions, uh etc. you can bring your playoffs to a certain part to where it's 8 as opposed to 7. So I'm hoping the NBA brings an expansion team, but they will be here, I believe, uh, for 2030. I haven't
0: heard, I've have not heard this talk recently, and I do know that the NBA has really gotten well and right uh, with the uh, 2021 and the 2022 season. Their the ratings are through the roof. Attendance is doing great. Um, so maybe that's why it hasn't come up. But it was only like five or six years ago they were talking contraction in the NBA. Like we got to get rid of a couple of these small market teams have you heard like have you heard anything like they would be willing to go to that they're ready now to go to 32 because you're right I hate that whole thing of it you're, you're always thinking oh which league has 30 and 32 just go to 32 Co-
1: correct and I think they should and you know I'm I'm speculating on expansion I, I haven't heard the NBA say it uh but I've also heard the NBA say that they are not looking to go to Vegas because that's where they have their summer league we're watching this in-season NBA cup you know, semifinals and the finals will be in Vegas Thursday. With the finals on Saturday, I just the success of everything with Las Vegas. I, I think they're crazy to not go there. I, I think you kind of have to.
0: It's so Vegas that they're already building the NBA arena too. Yeah. That, that is that is so wild. Uh, we 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 kind of gloss over this every time. And then when we have time, we got a few minutes that, that we can answer this because people tune in and they hear. Uh, A couple guys talking sports. They like what they hear. But Evan uh, wrote in. He said, pretend I know nothing about betting because I don't. What does Steve do for work? What is Mixed Picks? The floor is yours, Steve. Well, Mixed Picks is is
1: I handicap the various games and I post what I like. Um, You know, the various games with the point spreads, and I give recommendations on who you should be looking at uh, to place your wagers.
0: And you do it basically daily if, 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 if the events allow, right?
1: Uh, um, I, I wish I could say it's daily right now. It's been much more the NFL, uh, college football. I wasn't doing the best at, and you know, it, it got difficult. Uh, the, the in season tournament, I have posted some NBA games. I do post an occasional college. So it has not been as consistent as I would love to see it, uh, due to various reasons but it's when i do like something and i have been consistent posting nfl picks
0: every sunday and i know your real forte is baseball i mean that's where you really shine
1: absolutely i am bottom line a baseball fan number one although we talk about it i just wish they'd get that strike zone off on my tv so i can enjoy the games
0: again uh also a guy named david wrote in and i i was i wanted to watch this before we talked about it and i haven't been able to because other work things that i had to uh, uh watch instead and steve i know you don't get to catch a lot of uh sports entertainment you're busy you're doing other things um do you have netflix steve Yes, I do. Okay. Uh, Maybe you have seen this. Have you seen that they have a documentary called Bye Bye Barry about Barry Sanders?
1: I think it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, is it on Amazon Prime? Okay. Yeah, I believe it's on Amazon Prime. I have not yet um, because I want to be able to sit down. I'm guessing it's two hours. I'm not positive it's two hours, uh, but it's something I want to sit down uninterrupted, be able to watch, and know that my phone's not going to (laughs) ring. I'm not getting called for work. I'm not going to, oh, no, got to go have dinner. I'm really looking forward to it because I like the whole rest of the nation was stunned when Barry Sanders walked away. At the time they were talking about, oh, he's going to he wants to go play for the Dolphins and that's where they were talking he was going to go and I'm glad that he didn't play elsewhere, but I'd like to know what he really and his reasons were for walking away.
0: The uh, the reviews on it are great and also just we've had more than a few listeners right in knowing that you're a huge Lions fan and a huge fan of Barry Sanders that say uh, it's it's excellent. so uh, I, I, I'm gonna trust that it's Amazon Prime because I have all of the streamers and, and and I noticed it the other night and it reminded me, oh, that's right. I gotta bring this up on the podcast. It's easy to figure out uh, where it is, but you've got you've got the right formula. you've got to have two hours, no one bothers you and just uh, sit down and enjoy it. All right. Uh, have, uh, have fun with these great games, Steve. We'll talk to you on Friday on, uh, on the Rad Radio Show. We will be back next Wednesday. The only Wednesday we'll miss in December is the 20th for the holidays. We'll be back on the 27th, January 3rd, and then moving onward and upward uh, towards the Super Bowl and such. Have a great week, Steve. Thank you. That's MixPix.com. 2Ks and Mix, 2Ks and Mix.